0: Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams.
1: And I'm Kirk McElhern.
0: Hello, and thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you fitting us into your listening schedule. This is episode number 71 of The Next Track. We're going to be talking a little audio componentry today. And whenever we do that, we'd like to invite Chris Conacher of ComputerAudiophile.com to be with us. And we also like it when he says yes. How are you doing, Chris? Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited for this one.
1: I started thinking about audio equipment last week, and and I was looking to upgrade the device I use in my office. I have a a Yamaha RN301, which is a network receiver. That means that it can stream audio over AirPlay. I have it plugged in via Ethernet, so I don't have to add a Wi-Fi antenna and all that, and I could also get Spotify and internet radio and a number of things like that. So I was thinking upgrading this. It costs 200 pounds and something in the back of my mind is saying, well, you know, we're talking about audio on this show and all these great things and, and I must be able to get better sound with a better receiver or amplifier. And then I went down this rabbit hole looking at what are now called network music players or streamers. It's this new category of device that's relatively recent whose goal is basically to stream audio from the internet or from a network-attached storage device on your network. Some of them have fancy color displays, and you're going to output this either into an amplifier or active speakers, depending on what you're doing. And I started scratching my head because some of these are 300 or 500 or 1,000 pounds, and I'm trying to realize why someone would spend that much money just to stream MP3s from Spotify and run it through their amplifier. Chris, I hope you can sort this out. By the way, this is the first episode in what will be a, an irregular series talking about hi-fi separates, because I think a lot of people have questions about how these things work and, and how we choose the right device for us. So Chris, what, what are these network devices for? So the
2: network device, the way I look at it is, how do I... Take a system I already have and add streaming to it. So I don't have to replace, you know, the whole system if you buy some sort of all in one or this and that. It's kind of the add on piece. And I really like it for that. Because if you have a good receiver that you want to keep, that you're used to, you don't want to get one with all the new buttons and logos, add a network streamer and you're totally good. Nothing else changes. So, you know, then you come down to, well, If one is $99 somewhere, I'm sure there's a $49 one somewhere too, uh, and some are $5,000, what's the difference? What do I do, you know? Um, It's kind of just like anything else. Some of the price differences are totally justifiable from just looking at it, going, oh, color display or a different feature set. Other ones are more hidden that people would look at and go, I'm never going to spend $4,000 on that because I just don't get it. Um, And some of those may come from, say, audiophile brands that have built really high-quality oscillators for clocking internally and all kinds of things that a typical audiophile component would have. And then if you talk about a streamer with an analog output versus digital output, you can even get into a lot more differences that, you know, the quality of an analog output is much more variable um, or dependent on design chops of whoever designed it or the quality of parts put into it than a typical digital output because a lot of people will say well digital's digital just give me the bit stream and it's like okay fine i don't know anyone who will say analog's analog just give me the analog audio
1: Fair enough. And, and a device like this with an analog output has to have a DAC inside, a digital analog converter, and it's going to be the quality of that DAC chip that makes a difference in the analog output or part of the difference in the analog output.
2: Yeah, totally. That's a little bit from like a high, high view of why some of these are really cheap, why some are more expensive. Um, but the, you know, the feature set is also there as well. And some companies will, you know, this kind of inside baseball... But if a company wants to embed Pandora or Sirius XM radio, they have to be gigantic and they have to know somebody who knows somebody. Because if Joe Sixpack or even larger companies approach Pandora or Sirius XM, they'll say, hit the bricks, take a hike.
1: But why would the companies think like that? I, I think one of the reasons Spotify became so popular is that they were embedded in so many devices and
0: Pandora as well, very successfully.
1: And Pandora, well, uh, over there we don't see Pandora here, and and Netflix as well. You can stream Netflix through a TV, through something like a Roku, through a Blu-ray player, all sorts of devices. So why would the streaming audio companies be hesitant about being included on various platforms?
2: So I don't have real information. I only have. Kind of word of mouth and what other people think about this one. So it, people think it's partly because of big companies talking to Sirius and Pandora and saying uh, it would really help us if you don't, you know, work with these other people. Oh, okay. And partly because they are short-staffed or short-sighted and just think we're not going to get a return on investment by working with these people. So we'll skip it, and we'll go to Denon and Yamaha and Sony and call it a day.
1: So on the one hand, you've got, let's say, between a $200 device and a $500, $1,000 device. You've got better circuitry, a better DAC, but these devices aren't doing any kind of amplification. What is it that makes up the cost of one of these more expensive devices?
2: So it's just like anything. Some of the more expensive devices may be... Made in small quantities, you know it's it's just like any other type of product. Um, I know before the show started, we were looking at one that was a thousand dollars and you know one that was three hundred and ninety nine or not dollars or pounds or whatever. And uh, you know it does come to economies of scale or the case that it's in, you know? I mean, the way it takes up a really large amount of the sale price of an item, as you know. So yeah. looking at some of the items with a really, really nice chassis that's going to sit in somebody's living room, well, you're going to pay for that.
1: Good point. Yeah, and that will match the product line of the, the manufacturer so that if you have one that you've connected to an amplifier and you've got a CD player, that they all match instead of you know, being three separate devices and you look a bit like a Rube because you haven't matched all your audio devices.
2: Yeah, completely. You know, I always like to tell people like that I know when my friends ask about this stuff, I'm like, does it matter what it looks like? And can you place it somewhere else like where you won't have to see it? You know, those I ask those questions and then I think, okay, start with the absolute cheapest thing that will accomplish your task. And if you're happy, totally good. You never have to revisit this again. And some of them will be like, cool, I'm gonna get this, you know, XYZ brand I've never heard of. And others will be like, you know, I know myself. I got to have something that's better or it's more expensive because I just feel better about it. Yeah. You know, it's, start with something really cheap. If it doesn't make it, then.
1: Well, but see, so here's here's what I was saying to Doug earlier. If you compare, I had a cheap Philips stereo thing with little bookshelf speakers. It held three CDs. It cost, I don't know, the equivalent of $100 today or whatever. This was 15 years ago. And this was the, the, the audio equipment I had in my office, right, when I started being a freelancer. And then I said, you know, the best way to get good audio is not to plug speakers into my computer, but to get a real stereo. So I bought a real stereo amplifier and speakers, and I did it that way. And the difference between the one and the other, it's night and day. But in my current situation, with my 200-pound receiver, I'm looking at maybe a 350-pound receiver, I'm thinking, I'm not going to hear the difference. I'll spend another 150 pounds... And it won't sound any better. It might sound a tiny bit better, but you won't get that order of magnitude difference in sound quality.
2: Yeah, so one thing to think about there is you're talking about a different receiver versus the streaming aspect of it.
1: Well, the, the receiver that I have includes streaming. So I'm using it for airplay. I can also do Spotify and radio from it. So in, in my case, it's not a, a, an all-in-one music streamer, but it's a combination um, receiver-streamer.
2: Yeah, so thinking of should I get a different receiver because it's got the streaming input or into it, and you know it's got this number of watts versus this number of watts, that is kind of a whole separate animal um, because, as you know, all watts aren't created equal. There are yeah. some, like I have some amplifiers here that are 160 watts, and some that are a
0: thousand. And the 160 is way better than the one that's a thousand. But you know, the first question I asked Kirk was, "Is any of this new gear going to allow you to do something you can't already do? Do they have new features?" And the answer is no. You can already do a lot of the stuff that this new gear will do.
1: Well, going back to the network streaming devices, Chris said earlier, if you've got an existing system and you want to add streaming, this is a good way to do it. If you are happy with your receiver and your CD player and, you know, whatever other devices and it goes well with your speakers, then I think switching to a device that does everything might disturb your system and might be more expensive if you've got a $1,000 amplifier and a thousand dollar cd player a five hundred dollar streaming device added onto your system is cheaper than rebuilding your system and that, and that certainly has value as part of this series we will talk about amplifiers in a future show because it's really hard to understand what you said all watch are not created equal how to choose an amplifier but sticking strictly to the network streaming device there are people who want this feature set they want to be able to stream audio either within their homes or from a a network-attached storage device or Spotify, Tidal, whatever it is. It's still the question of how can a $1,000 device make Spotify's MP3s sound better than a $200 device?
2: I think you are kind of pushing it in one direction that it may not need to go. Maybe the $1,000 device, say the ones that we were looking at, just looks a lot nicer than the $300, okay. right? So it may sound better, but it may not, but it, you know, it, it, it may go into the other feature set aspect. But again, if it's doing analog out, then I think m- more people can kind of see, okay, maybe this $1,000 one is going to be better and also, you know, the economies of scale and all that kind of stuff.
1: So this device could also replace a DAC because most of these devices also have digital inputs of, of various kinds, USB and optical. So you could use this as a DAC to then output to your system. Is that correct? Totally, yes. In, in other words, this is basically a standalone DAC with added network streaming features. Is that correct?
2: Yes, most of these are a standalone DAC with added features. Some are. Ethernet in, meaning streaming, and digital out. So that's, that's all they do. But yes, most of these are analog out because most people look at it and go, how do I get out of you out of this analog? I get it. RCA connection in, done.
1: Yeah, I think the ones with the digital output are cheaper. And that that is definitely a difference when you look at the price points of these things. So basically, we're assuming that these devices are DACs, and that if they have analog output, the difference in price is, other than the, the look of the device, is the quality of the analog output, the quality of the DAC chip, and the quality of everything else that converts the audio from digital to analog.
2: Yes. You know, as you were talking earlier, I brought up a page for a device that I'm very familiar with. It's by a company called Aralic, the Aries Mini, and I believe it sells for around $399. But this is one of those that I look at as being pretty inexpensive and it can do almost everything. It's got one added feature that I don't see on just about anything else as the ability to put in a two and a half inch hard drive inside of it. So you don't have to That's worry yeah, about you know having a NAS or anything like that. It's It's really, really cool. And every time I think of this category of products, I think of this Aries Mini. I've had one, or actually I have three of them. And, you know, because I I love it. You know, you can sync zones and do all kinds of stuff with it. Um, Got analog outputs and volume control built in. It's got everything. So it's kind of cool.
1: You know, it's funny because just before we started the show, I was saying to Doug that the latest version of iTunes has eliminated support for the original Apple TV, the one that had the built-in hard drive. And this sounds like it's kind of like the Apple TV back in the early days.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. And I know a lot of people, as soon as you start talking about NAS drives and pulling audio over the network or DLNA, they're like,
1: oh, I'm out.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's me.
1: And there are so many problems with it. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yes, yes. And so Aurelix solved the problem by building in their own DLNA server inside. So you don't even have to know what that is. It's already built in Mm -hmm. and putting a hard drive slot in there. So and, you know, one time I did a survey of people on my site for how much music they actually have and how much storage they actually need. And it's surprisingly lower than I ever thought it would be. It's well under one terabyte.
1: But and and how many tracks?
2: Oh, see that I don't. I never ask tracks because Ah. I don't know if they have DSD two fifty six. That's a gigabyte. You know, it's like
1: yeah. But that that's what's more important to me. Someone at Apple once told me that the average iTunes iOS user has three or four thousand tracks in their library. Now that's the average over you know hundreds of millions of people. Some who have none, and some who have a hundred thousand. And that's lower than I expected, but not that much lower. I I would have thought that the average would have been around 5,000. The number of items
0: is important to iTunes because iTunes has to manage each one of those items. But when you're talking about storage space, it doesn't really matter how many items there are, it seems to me. It's like, I think, maybe asking the size in you know gigabytes and terabytes is probably the way to do it. But I can understand why iTunes is concerned about actual items.
1: Well, and also Sonos, you said earlier that the Rune Limited has a, a track limit, Sonos has a track limit of something like 62,000 tracks, I think. I had some Sonos gear a few years ago and I pointed it to my iTunes music folder and it listed everything up to Mozart and I couldn't figure out why. And it took me weeks to find out what was going on. This was when my library was only about fifty or 60,000 tracks, but the Sonos limit isn't the actual number of tracks, it's the amount of metadata. And since classical music has more metadata, longer track names and album names, that meant that it could only handle 42,000 tracks from my library.
2: Yeah, the Sonos hardware is extremely limited.
1: So this Oroec device does look interesting. It's small and unobtrusive. It can play a lot. It says it goes up to 384K at 16 to 32 bits. Presumably, it has a decent DAC in it. This has analog out or digital out? Both. Okay. Unfortunately, here, it's 449 pounds, which is not cheap for a device like this.
2: Ah, yes. I'm looking at a page that said $399 or equivalent around the rest of the world. So yeah, a little bit of a fluctuation. Not cheap. Uh, One other thing to think about, too, that... I think most people overlook when thinking about a product like this and it's a hard one to really uh, look into before you make a purchase is what is the software like that you're going to use with these devices this is the software is your new album cover it's your new interface to your music so it's got to be usable and everyone in the house you know has got to be able to just pick up a device and be able to do it so the Orlick devices they have developed their own software, which is really, really good. Um, they have a team of developers that work on it. It's not an outside solution they brought in. So, you know, that's, it's it's a big plus for this. But then also on the other hand, you have people who wanna just do AirPlay to it. They're used to iTunes, that's all they care. They just want an AirPlay endpoint or people yeah. that wanna rune endpoint or stuff like that. So, but software is huge and a lot of people overlook it.
1: Yeah. and. If I look at my current device, I can play Spotify on it, but the the display is so limited, as Doug said, it's kind of like a, a car stereo. You know, you get one line of information. It makes a whole lot more sense to just use your smartphone or your tablet to open the app to get access to Whatever you 're listening, and then stream it to the device because you have so much more uh, you know using Apple music or Spotify as an example you 're seeing the album artwork you 're seeing a list of all the tracks, or you 're seeing a full playlist the
0: interface the interface is just much more convenient
1: yeah and and in some ways i I would be more i would put more weight on the ability to receive external streams because that way I know that my device. Is going to have a longer lifespan because if they decide to discontinue this device and not upgrade the software for the next version of ios or android then your device might be worthless if you can only use that software so i agree that the software is good but you have to have that option to be able to stream in other ways as well
2: yeah totally it's there's so many variables that i can see why if you don't eat sleep and breathe this stuff you look at it and go oh my gosh what is this all about oh so one thing just came to mind with all of this, too, is the Chromecast audio devices. I mean, I can't remember. Last time I bought one, it was like $30 or something here. I mean, just crazy. But that'll do Spotify Connect.
1: If what you want is Spotify. But then the, prob- the problem with Chromecast is it depends on the apps being available for Chromecast as opposed to it interfacing with an existing device.
2: Totally. Yep. If you want... What that can do, it's like $30 and you have a network streamer that just rejuvenated your old school system. As long as you have a digital input.
1: Yeah. It may do
2: analog out, too. Now that I think about it. that
1: I think it does, yeah. Yeah, yeah. With a standard headphone jack.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a cool device for not much money. And for most people, they could probably use it and it would sound the same as, you know, several thousand dollars. Because they're just not... Knuckle Dragon audio files like me, but you know that that's cool. That's cool.
1: So to sum up, we've got a device family here that is pretty much a high-end device when you think about it, as, as you were saying, to add to an existing stereo system, at the kind of price, and and that makes me wonder because so many people are streaming. This is a topic for a whole nother show. Why is there a gap between the person who doesn't care too much about their sound and the, the knuckle-dragging audiophile, as you like to say? Why is there no market segment that addresses the average listener who wants something a little bit better and, like me, is getting confused? To, Should I upgrade my receiver to something a little bit better? And, and I know enough about this stuff, and, and I know that even if I go to an audio showroom and listen, that's a deceptive test because it won't represent my listening environment.
2: Yes, yes, it's it's difficult.
1: Uh, I'm looking on this. Uh, I'm looking at your review of the Auralex Mini and Lightning DS. And what's interesting is that you've got some photos, which I guess comes from the manufacturer, where you show the Auralex Mini connected to a pair of active speakers. And and that's a really compelling way to listen to music when you don't want to take up a lot of space. And in fact, active speakers is a category that we'll cover in another show, because I think those are really interesting for a lot of people to consider, you know, as a minimalist music system, either connected to a computer or a streaming device or whatever to get rid of the amp and the cables and, you know, to have something much more limited.
2: Yeah, the active speakers is actually, if you talk to any speaker manufacturer or amplifier manufacturer, if you talk to them off the record, active speakers is really the way to do it. Because you can do an amplifier for each speaker driver and get way better sound and no passive crossovers and all kinds of stuff. But, yeah, that's a whole nother show that will be very interesting for people to listen to because they can learn quite a bit. So I also think we should talk about the difference in technologies at a high level for these streamers. Because people that are interested in airplay, that streams from your phone, right?
1: From your phone or your computer. Yeah, Yeah. from
2: the internet, through your phone or through your computer to the audio device versus something like Spotify Connect, which your phone is a remote control, but the audio goes directly from the internet to the audio device. You can shut your phone off or take a call and nothing changes.
1: Right, so AirPlay is push and the other is pull in the sense that you're pushing the AirPlay stream to the device, whereas with Spotify or internet radio, the device is pulling it.
2: Yes, yes, exactly. So for me... That's a big deal for a lot of people. It's not, but I just have this weird like anxiety about my device battery.
1: That's a good point. Yeah.
2: So using something like Spotify connect to me is just awesome. And I can do whatever I want with my device. I can, you know, walk out of the house. And for some people, that's a good thing that it keeps playing for others. That's not a good thing. If I'm at the store and my Madonna album is still playing and people are like, how do we shut this off? But it's a, it's a big distinction that people, you know, should consider.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of these devices are limited to just Spotify Connect. And the advantage of using AirPlay is that you can be playing music that's on your device or from any other app. Or or let's say let's say I'm sitting in my comfy chair back there and I'm watching a movie on my iPad. I can stream the audio to my device and have it come out of my speakers and it'll sound a lot better. So you get a lot more options when you're doing the streaming, but I understand about the, the battery power.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's interesting you mentioned that a lot of devices are just Spotify Connect versus AirPlay. And after talking to several manufacturers about working with Apple to get certification... Uh, I completely understand why why AirPlay isn't supported on a lot of them.
1: Oh, well, AirPlay is common. AirPlay used to be relatively uh, rare among these devices, but there are a number of brands that do AirPlay now. What I'm surprised is I have yet to see Apple Music on any of these devices, and I, and I have a feeling that we won't see Apple Music.
2: Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about that one too much. But I, what I ha- I have thought about, it's interesting, Sonos managed to pull in Apple Music. Probably because there are numbers.
1: Well, but that's only through an app. That's only through an iOS app. It's not directly on their device, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah,
2: there's just there's a there's a weird thing going on. I don't know Apple's long term game plan there, or I can't guess about it. But yeah, Apple Music is is an interesting one.
1: Yeah, and the, Apple's got the HomePod that's coming out later this year, and we'll certainly do a show when that comes out. And, and I think Apple's trying to go it alone rather than choosing Spotify Netflix strategy of being present everywhere. I. I maybe the HomePod is actually designed to serve as a streaming device because you can AirPlay from the HomePod to a receiver that supports AirPlay.
2: So how would that work?
1: Well, you just start playing on the HomePod. Either you tell Siri on the HomePod, play Rush, and it's going to start playing Rush. And then I think there's a display that lets you choose where you're streaming to, or maybe it'll be an iOS app that lets you control where the stream goes to. So that could be, for them, the device that is in the same room as the audio, or it wouldn't even have to be in the same room if it's streaming over your network. The one one thing that this comes down to is, you know, we're all relatively savvy computer users here. I feel bad for the person who's middle-aged and never got into this sort of arcane computing stuff trying to figure out how this works. It's a lot harder than just putting a CD in a player and listening to your music.
0: Well, I don't think it has to be. I think if you if you get one of those inexpensive add-ons with an analog output, that could keep you happy and you, I think you'd still be able to understand and appreciate what, what the streaming fuss is all about. But I think for a lot of people who are used to, you know, I used to have a cassette player, I used to have a CD player, I used to have an 8-track player and a turntable and I plugged them into the receiver and that's the way I got my music. I mean, there's a way of doing streaming like that. You don't have to redo your entire system uh, to accommodate just streaming. That doesn't have to be the central Uh, point of your your listening experience.
2: That brings up a good point, too, is some manufacturers are trying to bring streaming back to that ease of use in that devices are going to have hard keys or hard buttons where you turn it on, you press the button, and it just starts playing Pandora, or it just starts playing some Spotify playlist. And for at least a lot of my friends, that's all they want. They, they don't care about anything else because like Pandora with, it, with its genome project, it is really good at picking out good music for you. So they just hit the Pandora button and they're off. And that is, you know, about as easy as it could get. But I'm happy to see. Like that.
1: Okay, I was hoping that, Chris, you were going to come on and you were going to have a, a really good answer here about, you know, this is how you choose what device you want. It's not your fault. This is a little bit confusing. And for some people, they'll want to choose one of these expensive devices and others, a cheap device and others streaming from their smartphones and tablets. And I just wish it was simpler. I really do. But in any case, Chris, thanks for enlightening us and we're looking forward to having you back on to talk about more stereo equipment in the future.
2: Great. Thanks for having me. I look forward to confusing people in the future.
1: <laughs> Before we wrap things up,
0: we'd like to tell you about our next tracks. Kirk, what do you get queued up?
1: My next track this week is something that I was inspired to look up when watching a TV series. Amazon Prime has a series called Bosch, which is adapted from Michael Connolly's mystery novels about Hieronymus Harry Bosch. His real name is Hieronymus Bosch. Go figure, but he goes by Harry. And regardless of what the series is about, Harry Bosch is a jazz fan, and his favorite jazz musician is Art Pepper. And so the soundtrack of this series has bits of him driving with a little bit of Art Pepper music. And I don't know Art Pepper. There are jazz musicians I love, like Miles Davis and Thelonious Monk and Bill Evans, and I really don't know Art Pepper. So I went on to the trusty Apple Music and looked in the Jazz category, and lo and behold, there is a new release called the Complete Maiden Voyage Concerts by Art Pepper. Now I've looked this up. These were in August 1981, which was a year before he died, and some of these had been previously released on a few different vinyl recordings. The the songs are all 10 to 15, 18 minutes long, and each of the LPs that was released had two songs on each side. This whole set is four hours and 35 minutes, and I've only listened to two or three tracks so far. I'm really, this is, you know, I'm discovering a musician that I don't know, a jazz musician with a style that's relatively different from, you know, the sort of John Coltrane type jazz or or the standard jazz saxophone. He's playing an alto sax, not a tenor sax, And I really like the sound. The recordings are a bit muffled. I think this is what they call private recordings, essentially bootlegs that have been cleaned up. But this is quite fascinating. One thing about jazz not being a jazz specialist is that I can go back and discover musicians that I really know nothing about. So it's the complete Maiden Voyage concert. It's not available on CD. It's only available by download or by streaming. So the link in the show notes will be to Apple Music. Doug, what are you discovering this week?
0: You, you will be quite surprised, Kirk. Now, I found a decent Apple Music playlist recently called Manchester Rock, which has a bunch of bands from Manchester, England, which, as Kirk and I have often noted, is some of our favorite music. And so this playlist looks like a pretty good sampler, one song from each of about 25 bands. And I start playing it, and I go about doing some work, and this song comes on, and it sounds vaguely familiar. And then I realize, oh, that's Bernard Sumner from New Order. But I'd already heard Blue Monday, the New Order song in the playlist. So what was this? So I look, and it's a band called Electronic. And come to find out it was Bernard Sumner singing. I'd never heard of Electronic before. And the song, getting away with it, it was apparently a, a hit to some degree. Never heard it. And I've never heard of the band. Now I've been a fan of New Order since the 80s. I never had an inkling that Bernard had a side project a side project with Johnny Marr, who had played with the Smiths, and Neil Tennant of Pet Shop Boys, among other amazing people that work with them over nine years of recording. They put out four albums, tons of singles, 12 inches, all kinds of stuff. Now, I often say on this show, and I'm going to say it again, that I don't listen to a lot of new music because I'm still getting caught up on the old music. Electronic is the perfect example. My father used to say, I wish I hadn't heard that before so I could hear it For the first time well i'm going to be listening to this music for the first time it's a great opportunity it's so rare that i find something that i have absolutely no familiarity with at all but the difference in discovering this music now rather than encountering it contemporaneously is that i don't have to wait for new album releases or new single releases i can get caught up on electronics entire catalog inside a weekend which is probably what i'm going to do because i obsess like that I'll be starting with Electronic by Electronic as my next track. This has been The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. You can find show notes and links to some of the things we talked about in this and other episodes at thenexttrack.com. There's also a contact form there you can use to send us comments. If you like the show, we hope you'll subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please think about giving us a review or rating. We'd appreciate that. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.